Would you pray with me as I pray? Father, we sing those words to that song because they're true. They're true because you said so. It's not our circumstances, but our Savior on which we fix our eyes. And yet I confess before my brothers and sisters that I am a man. Of a faith that is too feeble. And I repent of that. I thank you that when you orchestrate the storms of our lives, you walk on the water to come and reveal your glory. And then you call us out to walk with you. And as we walk on the water, if we would keep our eyes fixed on you, we would be water walkers. So Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit that is with us, I pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, I pray that 2020 would be a year where we were marked by nothing less than being with Jesus. And it's in his beautiful name that we pray these things and all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat. Matthew 1 says, and she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place because the word of the Lord that was spoken to the prophet, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and she shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I say, you say, wait a minute, aren't we done with that? And in a sense we are, right? It's now January 5th. It's where we finished the Christmas season, but we just spent that whole season of Advent looking at Emmanuel, God with us. And I didn't want to go from this idea of God being with us into what we're going to start in a couple of weeks, Lord willing, and 15 weeks into this book of James, which is very much a book about doing. It's very much about what does genuine faith look like lived out in the life of a believer. And I didn't want to go from, from celebrating Christ with us to, okay, now let's start walking this out and let's start really living this out without talking about what is it that connects those two things. And what it is, is that because he was, was with us in the flesh and he came and lived and died on a cross for us, he was able to send his spirit to come and live with us. And so we are looking at these three weeks, last week and, and this week and next, we're looking at what does it look like to walk with Jesus into 2020. Guys, he did not come all this way to give us a list of morals. He didn't die on a cross to, to simply leave us with a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what this book is about. He didn't come all this way to leave us alone or to expect us to do this life with him on our own. So we need to embrace that and celebrate that as his people. And that's what we're talking about these three weeks. The passage that God hit me with as I was just thinking about how do we connect where we've been with where we're going in James was out of Mark chapter 3. It says, and he went up on the mountain, he being Jesus, and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him. 
and he would send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. So he's going to, he's, he's beginning the call of his mission on earth to spread the gospel throughout the globe. And it's going to be in preaching the word of God and in miracles. And, but, but before that, look at what he says. Don't miss this. He calls the people he wanted so that he could be with them. Guys, get the, don't miss the beauty of that order. He didn't say, go do these things, and I might come with you along the way. He said, you're going to be with me, and by being with me, you will have the power to do these things. That's why witness is so important. Augustine, who lived between 350 and 450 AD and is credited probably next to the Apostle Paul with doing more to save the gospel on the planet than any person who's ever lived, he, call, he coined the term back in 400 AD, witness. It's just being and walking with Christ. Because to try to live in Christ and do things for Christ, we have to be with Christ. Guys, it's so easy to sort of put that up. And I mean, I would not make a great little sign to put on my mirror. It's so much harder for us to live that out. For us to live in Christ and do things for him, we have to be with him. We tend to skip that last part and just say, I'm in Christ and so I'm going to do things for Christ. But, but we, we don't really look at what it means to walk in withness. Because frankly, it's hard. And we're going to talk about that today. Guys, this, this three weeks, we're looking at six different withness opportunities. Last week, we talked about what it looked like to live in the power and the provision of Christ. This week, we're going to look at what it looks like to live in feasting and fasting and next week we're going to look at what it looks like to live in biblical community living and loving God and loving his people because those are all things that facilitate witness guys God created us get understand this God created us he didn't have to what what Abby shared and I didn't know she was going to share about the garden of Eden when he what he created Adam and Eve he did it be, not because he needed to but because he's a relational God he did it for two reasons one so we could have relationship with him and two, so we could be his image bearers. The problem is it didn't take us very long, nor does it take us now very long, to mar his image. Right? When, when that scene happened that Abby just said, the, the, the image, their image of God was marred. Not completely removed, but marred. And so is ours. Because we don't live with Christ 100% all the time. We can't, as, as still fallen, as yet not fully re redeemed, yes, we are saints, if you're in Christ. But we're not fully renewed and restored. We live in this, in this place of image marring. But here's the beauty of the gospel. When we mar his image, he doesn't shove us away. He leans into us. He pursues us. That's what this story is about. This is not a, about a list of do's and don'ts to live morally. There are lots of religious books out there about that. Is there stuff in here that's going to help you live a better life? That's going to help you live more, a moral life? Absolutely. But this book is a book about what does it mean that a God, the God of the universe who we reject moved heaven and earth and is still doing it today because he wants desperately to be with us for our good, not for his. He doesn't need us. He's not up in heaven going, man, I sure hope these people come around. He is in heaven going, man, I sure hope these people will come to acknowledge who I am and proclaim my glory because I love them. 
That's how deeply loved by God we are. But guys, the, your relationship with Jesus is, and you hear this almost every Sunday here at Cornerstone, and in churches, a lot of churches, prayerfully, your relationship with, the with part of Jesus, is the most important part of your life. Amen. It just is. Everything else should be a distant second and third, including the good stuff like marriage and family, etc. Right? Guys, un understand this. This is a huge premise of what you're going to hear today. What happens in your private times and your prayer closet matters way more than anything you do on any public platform. And that public platform could be preaching the Word of God in front of people, but it could also be standing in Starbucks. Right? What you do to be ready for that moment in your private time in your prayer closet is matters way more. Because if you're not, if we're not, if we don't have those things right, if we're not practicing witness, we can't go out and be a witness for him. Not really, anyway. So we looked at provision at his provision and power. We talked during that time in his provision and power. The analogy I gave was was how do we, he is the spirit. He is the wind in our sails. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul talked about that in Galatians. And I talked about how our job is to raise the sail and, and his spirit will fill us. And that is the power with which we walk. His provision is his word. His power is his spirit. And yet we have a hard time lifting our sails. And some of us, I talked about the, the, this, the example I gave was, why do they have sailboat races? If the, if, the, if the same wind is pushing all the boats in the race, why would they not all cross the finish line exactly the same? As people, if the same spirit is moving us all, then why, don't we all, why aren't we all at the same level of spirituality? The answer is because some people are better at lifting their sails than others. Some captains of these sailing boats are better at lifting their sails than others. They're better at setting their sail to catch the wind and go. That's what this six, these three weeks and these six withness opportunities are about how do we get better so that's my that's one of my questions how do you set your sails there are certainly things that are true for all of us setting our sails like what we looked at last week setting our sails in the word of god setting our sails by having a conversation with the holy spirit setting our sails this week we're going to look at prayer and fasting next week we're going to look at setting our sails in loving and living there are those things that we need that, that are true for all christians the bible says these are these are the things that that you need to be about as a follower of christ to really be with him but there are also things be based on your individual gifting and your talent that might set your sails better. Maybe you just really get jazzed up by worship music. You know, and you're singing in the car and the people next to you think you're crazy. Right? Praise God. Awesome. Right? Maybe it's art. Maybe it's just fellowshipping with people. Maybe it's going out on a hike. Maybe it's, but find those things that fill your soul and start practicing those regularly along with the things that I'm talking about in these three weeks. Because we have to get better at setting our sails. So today's message is, how do we walk into 2020 in feasting and fasting? These are two more of these six sail-setting things. How can we get better? The question for the day is, how can we get better at tapping into the power that is available to us in prayer and fasting? That's ultimately what I'm praying that the Word of God is going to show us today. Because prayer and fasting are two of the, are the, are two of the 
sales-setting um, skills that will fill you with his power. And they're two of the hardest ones to do. And I'll just tell you right up front, out of all the things in my spiritual walk, these are my two weakest, by far. So it was really convicting to have to prepare to tell you guys how to do it when I stink at it too. So the first thing we're going to look at is we have to get it into our cadence of life. How do we tap into this power that is available in prayer and fasting? We have to get it into our cadence of life. This is what I'm calling feasting. What are you consuming regularly, ongoing throughout the day? What are you consuming? What are you feasting on? Right? What, what is, are you in a lifestyle that has a rhythm or a cadence that includes prayer and fasting? I mean, I'll just confess to you right now. Mine, prayer, better in 2019 than it had ever been. Long way to go, still the weakest part of my walk, with one exception, fasting. I used to do it a lot. I, I can't remember the last time I just intentionally had a regular rhythm of fasting. But we're going to get there in the second half of the message. Guys, where do I get this idea about cadence of life? Right here. Right there in the Old Testament, a few years ago, we walked through the story of the Bible. And one of the things we looked at was the seven feasts that are in the Old Testament. The seven feasts were given by God to God's people for two reasons. The first and foremost was because they are a beautiful picture of Christ. And we see that when we practice the Seder here every year. They're a beautiful picture of Christ coming. But the second is because he knows us. And he knows we're creatures of habit and we're people of cadence. And he wanted to build in a rhythm of life for them. How many of you who practice some part of Advent, whether it was the stuff we did here or just your own little thing, how many of you found yourself in the last month in Advent season praying more individually and as a family because we were in the Advent season? There's just something, we have to find these ways of building into our lives things that are going to get us praying and fasting more. Because naturally we will not do it. One of my favorite quotes on prayer, Charles Spurgeon, who was the prince of preachers, lived in the 1800s, he says this, If you pray only when you feel like it, you will not pray much, and never when you need to. Right? Prayer is not something we just naturally feel like doing. It takes effort. It takes work. Because I often hear things like, well, I don't really have a set time to pray because I'm, you know, I just pray without ceasing. That's what, that's what the, and it sounds really good because, you know, Paul told me to do that. Now, there are a handful of people I've ever met where that is true, man. They are walking through their house praying all the time. Lord, should I do the whites or the darks for laundry next? I mean, that's really their life. I, I don't know very many people that are like that. That, that, because, because most people who say to me, I just pray without ceasing, what that really is code for is I never pray. I, sh I might shoot up a thought to God occasionally, but I don't really, it's, it's, it's the same thing as people who say, well, I, hear from the, I heard from the Lord, and I say, oh, really, tell me in the Word where you were. Oh, I don't read my Bible. Yeah, eh, no. Not that there aren't other ways you can do it. I'm just saying that, like, to say that we, that, that we, we, we need sets, we need structure. How do I know we need structure? One, because the saints of old modeled it. We saw in our, in our study in Daniel, Daniel prayed structurally. I don't mean he prayed the same things all the time. I mean he prayed three times a day. Why? Because even Daniel needed to be reminded, bing, oh yeah, it's time to pray. Because on his own, he just wasn't going to do it. So we need those, and here's the other reason. Jesus told us to do it, and that's what we're going to look at now. So open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, it's the first gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the first gospel. 
and we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, because Brian Tootin, today is a prayer Sunday, since it's a fellowship Sunday, and Brian Tootin is going to walk us through praying the Lord's Prayer together. But I do want to start in verse 9. It says, pray then this way. Here's what he means. He does not mean pray these words, although you can. I've been in the habit in 2019 of praying the Lord's Prayer about every third day. And then stopping, as Brian will show you this, um, to, like, as Brian will help model um, today, like what that looks like. But what he really means is pray these kinds of things. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, have, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then some manuscripts included for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Guys, do you ever wonder why the disciples asked him the question, Lord, teach us to pray? Luke tells us, if, if you look, in, in, don't turn there, but in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, same scene, Luke records it this way. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, on one, of, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. My money is on Peter because Peter was always blurting something out. But do you ever wonder why, of all the things they could have asked Jesus to teach them, they say, teach us to pray? That's the only things they ask him for, like as far as teaching him. Why don't they say, teach us to heal people? Hey, why don't you teach us to do that walk on water trick? That would be cool. That's what I would ask. Like, why don't you teach us to pray? Guys, here's, because they had seen the power of prayer through the life of Jesus so many ways. Right? They had seen him calm. He's in the boat with them. He's asleep. He wake, they wake up. They wake him up. We're perishing. We're perishing. He stands up. He says, be still. Bam. Sea stops. They're, they're on the mountain. They're preaching to, he's preaching to 5,000 men plus women and children, etc. He's like, why don't you feed them? They go, we have no food. This guy comes, shows up with a couple of Lunchables. This kid shows up and he says, okay, now what do I do with this? And Give it to me, Jesus says. And he raises, and you're going to read this this week in your daily reading. He raises his, his, he raises his um, head to, or his face to heaven. He prays to the Father. And then he, starts a, he just starts passing it out. And he feeds them all. Right? They saw him cast out demons. Get, get out, I will be healed. Bam, you're healed. Guys, these were just short, little, him addressing his Father, short prayers, and, and powerful answers. Why do you think they, they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray? Because they got it. They were connecting that all of those incidents where Jesus was doing the miraculous were a product of his communication with his Father. And they're like, we want in on that deal. That's the deal we want in on. All the other stuff will flow from that. Guys, it goes beyond that. Jesus modeled, Jesus himself modeled withness. Jesus in his humanity had to be with the Father. Just write these down if you're a note taker, and hopefully you are. Matthew 14, 23. Matthew 14, 23, Jesus sends the crowd away. He goes up on the mountain to pray by himself, orchestrates a storm, and then comes walking out on the water. Luke 6, 12. He went off by himself to pray all night. He comes back and picks the 12 apostles. One of my favorites, Mark 135. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus went to a secluded place alone and was 
praying there. Wait a second. So right before that, in that scene in Mark 1, it says the whole world is literally coming to him. Right? It's the scene that, that we read in our invocation passage. The whole world is literally coming to him. He walks away from all that. Whoa, where's the church growth model in that? Like, he is a rock star. People are coming to him from everywhere. His habit is, I, I'm not interested in the crowd. I'm going to walk away from the crowd because I'm interested in what my father wants me to do. And in order for me to get that direction from my father, I have to have time in seclusion away from all you people. I have to pray. If he had to, how much more do we? Guys, he is intentionally not modeling doing. He's modeling withness. He's modeling what does it look like to walk with God. In his humanity, what did it look like for him to intentionally model withness? Like I said earlier, Daniel, Daniel modeled this, and we saw powerful things in the book of Daniel. Daniel would pray, and amazing things would happen. You'll see that again in your daily readings this week. Maybe you're sitting there going, yeah, but I can't pray like that. Like I hear, you know, so-and-so pray, or this person pray, or I read these prayers in the Bible, and that's just not me. Guys, just, just pray what comes out. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. Just start talking to God. Don't worry about having the right words. There are no right words. There might be some wrong ones. I mean, if you prayed blasphemous, blasphemous things. But guys, stop. Don't worry about does it sound good or not. Prayer is just a conversation. And if you remember last week, I talked about how the words for the Holy Spirit, the words for breath, and the words for wind are all the same word. We're just, isn't it interesting that the Old Testament names for God are all words where you're breathing out? Job 33, Job says this, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Because our prayer is just breathing back to him what he's breathing into us. Our prayer is just breathing back to him what he is breathing into us. Do you remember how he brought Adam to life? Molded him out of the mud and breathed into him. Do you remember how Ezekiel brought the dry bones to life? He says, breathe over them. Because our prayers are just us breathing back to God what he has breathed into into us. Guys, here, here's why we need to pray. I mean, we've, this is, you know, we, we've, done, we've done many messages here about prayer. Ultimately, it's just us talking. We, we need to talk to our Father because we want to be in those two things. He, he made us to be image bearers and for relationship. How can I be in relationship with Jesus if I'm not talking to him? That would be like me, Carrie and I are celebrating 24 years together this, this year. That would be like me saying, hey, hon, This is a good thing. Why am I crying? Hey, hon, I, I love you. I, I really do. And, and I, and I want to be with you more than any human being in the world. But, but let's not talk. Like, we don't really need to talk, right? Like, seriously. I mean, we, we've said all of our words 24 years. How's that going to fly? Like, seriously. Right? I mean, how, I mean, how, and yet, don't we do that to God? Man, I want to, we say, I want to be with you more than anybody else in the world. And he's like, then why don't you ever talk to me? Right? If it wouldn't work for my wife, why would it work for my Savior? So here's, 
three quick ideas for how to get it into a cadence of life. And guys, by the way, on the back of your connecting points, there's the table talk questions, and last week's had, and this week's have, and next week's hopefully will have, very practical ways that you can build these ideas into your life. So I'm not spending a lot of time talking about them. So if you're kind of going, okay, so how do I do that? How do I lift my sails? How do I talk to God? Here's a couple things. One, stop and pray throughout the day. And I don't just mean pray without ceasing. I mean set a reminder. Tell yourself, at this time and this time and this time, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray. You can do meal times. You can set a reminder on your phone or your smartwatch or whatever you want. Guys, set Daniel prayed three times a day. Set time to, to, to intentionally, even if it's just for one minute, in the midst of your craziness, get back in your car, whatever it is, you're going to, before you go into your next meeting, and just stop and go, okay, I'm going to be still before the Lord, and I'm going to talk to him. Right, so just stop and pray. Another, here's another one. I heard this. I stole this from John Piper. I just heard it from him the other day in a podcast I was listening to. Every day, this old man, has, for years, he's been doing this. I, he says, I get on my knees once a day to pray in the middle of the day. And he says, here's why I do it. It reminds me I'm not God. The, the act of physically changing your bodily position reminds you that you are a person, what Abby said in her song, what you're a person who's called to surrender. And then the other one would be personal times of retreat. That could be, that could be a, I'm just going to go hike the mountain by myself. You go out on Thunderbird Mountain, or I'm going to go away for 24 hours, but in silence and solitude. Not, I'm going to hike the mountain, and I'm going to be looking through my Instagram feed at the same time. Or, I'm, or even maybe I'm going to hike the mountain, but I'm going to put in my earbuds, and I'm going to worship. There are times for that, too. I'm not talking about that. Just be practicing solitude. How do we promote prayer? How do you, how do you, how do you di cultivate a life of prayer? By praying. By being here for pre-service prayer and just being a part of that. By, by going to your, your barista at the Starbucks and going, how can I pray for you right now? Right, we have cards on the table we're, we'll, that, that, that show here are some questions you can ask. How can I pray for you? How's your soul? How's your day going? What could make it better? Can I pray for you right now? Just doing it today during the fellowship meal. How can I be praying for you? And then just pray right then for them. It can be a third, it can be a three-word prayer. Sometimes those are the best. So how can we set, how can we get better at setting at, at tapping into the power of prayer and fasting? The first thing is we got to get it into a, a cadence of life. And the second thing is we have to get rid of what crowds it out. And this is obviously what I'm talking about in fasting. We have to get rid of what crowds it out. Look at verse 16 of Matthew 6. It's where Jesus goes, I, I love, I love in, in these three verses, look what he says. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. So he's saying they, they do it to put on a show. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will, be noticed by me, will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Guys, here's what I love about those two. Jesus assumes in those three verses that we are fasting. Right? He, I, and, and I look at that and I go, oh, I'm so convicted. Because he says, verse 16, whenever you fast. Verse 17, but when you fast. Not if. If you get around to it. He's like, this is just part of the deal. If you're following me, you're fasting. 
Okay, so what is fasting? And there's a lot of great stuff out there. If you want to email me, I can send you some more detailed stuff. But here's basically what fasting is. It's a time of abstinence. It's a time of abstaining, often for the purpose of repentance. But it's always a time of abstinence, of abstaining from stuff, so that you can press deeper into the image of Christ. Fasting is not a diet plan, which I know is a popular thing right now. But if that's your motivation, that's not God glorifying. It doesn't mean you can't do it for that. I'm saying don't count that. Like don't go, well, I'm doing this for you, Lord, and to drop 20 pounds. That's that's not what he wants to hear. That's not going to help you hear him. I'll just leave that there. There are three types of fasting that I see in Scripture. And again, I'm not going to go into great detail on these. I can send you more if you want. One is just a regular fast. It means you abstain from all food and drink except for water for a period of time. Right? That, that, that's, just, that's just what they did in Ezra chapter 8. They fast and pray and God shows up. In Luke chapter 4, what did Jesus do when he was led out into the wilderness? He fasted for 40 days. It's just abstaining from everything but water for a period of time. I, Guys, do not do what many of you did on January 1st. You're like, you know what? My, one, of my, one of my things for 2020 is I'm going to get myself in shape physically. So you, made, you got yourself a gym membership or you went and, and you, went and you, and you like worked out like a fiend and you couldn't walk on the 2nd of January. Like, don't do that with prayer and fasting. Don't set your goal. If you've never done this before, don't go, you know what? I'm going to fast for 24 hours or I'm going to fast for 72 hours. I'm gonna, guys, just start small. Which gets to my next part. Because partial fasting is a thing in the Bible. That's my next one. Partial fasting. We see this in Daniel. When Daniel and his friends, they don't fast from everything. They fast from some things. They're still eating fruits and vegetables. They just stayed away from the meat and the wine. So you can, you can partially fast by saying, I'm going to cut these things out of my diet. I'm going to cut this out for a time. You can even... Partially fast, this is, you can even partially fast by doing what's, what, the, what I think what's called intermittent, fa- intermittent fasting. For me, what I'm going to do, what I've, what I've set as my goal for 2020 is Tuesdays is my big study day for Sunday's message. So on Tuesday morning, or so on Tuesday, I'm going to fast until dinner that night. Because that way, if we're having people over or we're going to our core group or we're just having dinner as a family, I'm not messing with their schedule by my fasting. So that's just intermittent fasting. And I, and I prayerfully will do other times where it's longer periods, etc. But that's intermittent. last one is just other fasting. Fasting from things that isn't food. Because some people say, well, fasting is only for food. That's ge- guys, generally, that is the main thing in the Bible. Almost all the time in the Bible, fasting and food go hand in hand. Why? Because food is the number one addiction thing in the world. Period. It just is. Com- eating for comfort... Eat, like it is, it is by far the most abused substance on the planet, food. So fasting from food is a great thing. But, and I'll keep it family friendly, but in the, Paul says to the church at Corinth, he's like, for a period of time, to reconnect with the Lord, you married couples, abstain from relations. What is that? Fasting. From what? Physical relations. You could carry that to any other thing that might distract you from a conversation with God. Maybe your thing is, I spend eight hours every day playing Fortnite. I dare you to fast from it. See, just see if you can. 
Maybe it's a certain food, whatever it is, but you can fast from video games, sports, shows on television. You know, maybe you get rid of your Netflix account for a month and just see if you guys as a family can fast from binge watching something. There's an orange card in your bulletin that talks about here that helped, again, along with the table talk questions on the back of your connecting points, there's an orange card that talks about praying for people on one side in the body and praying for the body of Christ here at Cornerstone. And the other is what just sort of helping you set those 2020 goals because we're walking into the new year. What are some things in these areas that I would like to do less of and more of? So I just want to point that out and say, hey, here's some practical ways that you could. But guys, understand this. And I know, I, I know we're, I'm, I'm going more on fasting than I meant to. Fasting is not trying to earn God's approval like a genie in the bottle. Too often I think to myself when I was, I'm like, God, I fasted for you, so why aren't you answering this prayer? Don't do that. You're not, you're not fasting because you're trying to earn something from the Lord. You're fasting because you're trying to press into Christ. What you're trying to do is remove things that will distract you so that the distraction that is God, like he wants to distract us too about him. So now he's saying, okay, so, so take that time. Every time you're drawn to, oh, you know, normally this is when I would get on my Instagram or, or normally this is when I would eat or normally what, take that moment and turn your heart's affection and mind's attention to God. That's what fasting is. That's what he wants from you. It is not trying to earn God's favor. It is trying to press into his presence. And what happens is fasting accelerates that process because it forces you to think about it. Like it forces us to get real with our, with our issues and make him the thing, which just makes his presence even more evident. Why is fasting so hard? Guys, why is it so hard? Because it's, it's part of the spiritual battle that we're in. Guys, what are you feasting on that you ought to be fasting from? Like, what, what are you right now, what are you consuming that you'd be like, yeah, this is something that I need to give up, at least for a season, if for no other reason than to prove to myself, not to God, because you don't prove anything to God, that I can. What does this have to do with living for God? What does fasting have to do with living for God outside of the obvious? I'm glad you asked, because look where Jesus goes next. Pick it up quickly in verse 19. So in the midst of this conversation about pray this way, fast this way, he, he goes into, do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where moth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in, our, our, but store, I'm sorry, on earth, was the, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, it's not coincidental. Context is king when you're reading the Bible. That in, the, that in a conversation about prayer and fasting, he immediately turns to, where's your heart? If you're praying to me and you're fasting, you're going to turn your heart to, towards the things of heaven that matter. He goes on at the end of this whole thing in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Guys, there's a scene later on in the Gospel of Matthew where Peter, James, and John go with Jesus up on the mountain. It's the Mount of Transfiguration. He's transfigured into his glory. While they're gone, this man comes up to the other nine who are without Jesus at this point with, with a son who's a lunatic, who's, who's demon-possessed. 
and they cannot heal him. And when Jesus comes back down the mountain, the father comes and says, please, if you're willing, heal my son. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't heal him. And the, later, so, so Jesus heals the boy and later on the disciples, when they're alone, they're like, hey, um, can I ask you a question? How come we couldn't do this? And he looks at them and he says, because you have too little faith and these things can only happen through prayer and fasting. But here's what I think the bigger picture of that is. It's not just, oh, here's a clever way to work in the words prayer and fasting. Those nine disciples that were without Jesus, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit then either yet. They were without him because he was up on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. They had forgotten what withness looks like. What they should have been doing was praying and fasting. But they lost the power to heal the boy because they had lost their withness. Now, we're the nine. With the exception of now Jesus hasn't gone onto the Mount of Transfiguration. He's gone to heaven and he sent his spirit back to live in us. If we would cultivate an attitude of prayer and fasting and, a, and just a cadence of life in that in our lives, we would have power that we do not currently exercise. So how can we get better at living and tapping into this power that is ours in prayer and fasting? First, we have to get, get, get prayer into a cadence of life. Second, we have to get the stuff out of our life that crowds it out. As the music team is coming up and we're wrapping things up, I want to just remind you, here, here's, guys, out of all the, out of the six things we're going to look at in these three weeks, these two are the hardest. And they're not just, the, they, they're the hardest. Here's why, though. Here's what, here's what the Lord convicted. I'm like, God, why is this so hard for me? I want so desperately to be with you. I get that praying and fasting is massively important to you and for my own good. Why is it so hard? Here, here's why it's so hard. I am a self-idol worshiper. And praying and fasting like nothing else requires that I remove myself from self. Requires that I move what I want from what I want. Because it's the same reason finding undistracted Bible time in the, is, hard, is hard to find. Because we fill it with stuff that we would, we, we, flesh, we would rather do. And because we're idol worshipers. And, and here, but here's the bigger picture. I, I get that part of me. I get that the reason I don't fast is because I like the stuff I'm, I don't want to fast from. Satan hates God. Hates him. And because we're his, guess what? He hates you too. And it's a fight. That's why praying in fact, because he, Satan hates and discourages anything that is going to press us into the image of Christ. And he knows the power of these two things. How does he know? Because the scenes that, that I talked about in here, where through prayer and fasting, Jesus did the miraculous. Satan doesn't want us to have that power. So he will distract you. He will discourage you. Guys, do you, the craziest thing is in, in, in the scene in Ephesians where Paul lists the full armor of God, do you know what, what happens right after that? He's, after he lists this thing about the full armor of God, he says, he says to the people, and once you're armored up, here's what the battle looks like. Pray. Pray. Because we're in a fight. It is real and we have to armor up, and then we have to get about the battle. And the battle is, prayer is not preparation for the fight. Prayer is the fight. Fasting isn't just to get you, isn't, isn't like a supernatural workout. It is, it is, you're in a fight when you're fasting. But guys, we want to be a people that see him do the miraculous. 
I want him to, I want, I want us to be a people that, that as we lift ourselves, his spirit feel, fills them. That as, we're, that as we're talking to him, we expect him to answer because we know he's listening. Right? That, as, that as we're letting go of stuff and fasting from this or that, he is looking down and going, you know what? They're fighting it out. And he's stepping into that fight with us as we walk with him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you that you have given us such a perfect model in Jesus Christ. Lord, and not only that, but you have given us his spirit to indwell us, to empower us, that we might persevere, and that we might live victoriously. We live, I, I live in this, in this safe little box because I have feeble faith. But once again, I repent of that. And with my brothers and sisters in Christ, we repent of that. We say, give us, give us a bold faith. Let us pray big prayers. Let us fast from the junk that distracts and let us take that to fill us to overflowing so that our sails would not only be raised, but get bigger. That as you grow us, our ability to catch your wind increases. And nothing is impossible for you. You tell your disciples there who couldn't heal the boy, if you just would pray and fast, if you just would have faith, you could move mountains. I, I confess that like Eve in the garden, I don't really believe you said that. What a horrible thing to say but it's true. How I, I know I don't believe it because if I believed it, I'd live it. So Lord, I want to pray, not, in, not, not, that, not that I would walk out of here trying to do better, but that I would just walk out of here going, show me your glory. Press your presence into me. That I would do my part and then watch you do the work. In Jesus' name, amen.